Let's do it. Happy Thursday, all. I'm Kimberly Adams. Welcome back to Make Me Smart, where we make today make sense. Kai is out today, but joining me is the wonderful Andy Euler. Welcome back, Andy. Hey, thanks for having me, Kimberly. So good to be here, as always. Yes, so today is the day where we do some news fixes and a make me smile, although mine is sort of a make me smile slash make me cry. Uh, But Andy, you and I kind of overlap a bit on the news fixes. Why don't you go first? I wanted to talk about a little bit about um, El Salvador, essentially. Um, so we, I remember we talked about this uh, on on this show last year. Salvador, El Salvador made Bitcoin its uh, sort of legal tender, its currency last year. And I know there was a you know sort of a whole lot of reactions about cryptocurrency as sort of legal tender and things like that. Uh, what what has come to light is because of El Salvador's sort of massive Bitcoin holdings. Uh, they now have about sixty billion dollars of of debt that they're holding onto, or their or their value, excuse me, is about sixty million, excuse me, m million dollars less than it was uh, just a couple of days ago. So what happened was, and it, it does feel like uh, a little bit, um, sort of, this is the next step, right? China apparently came in and said, "Hey, El Salvador, we'll go ahead and buy your debt." Um, because we know you're sort of up against it and you can't make your debt payments. Um, so the Chinese, as it feels like the Chinese are often want to do, um, stepped in and said, yeah, no, 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 we'll, we'll, we'll gobble up that debt and um, you, you, you'll be okay. El Salvador sort of came back and said, we don't necessarily know that's the right decision. Uh, sort of the second in command to the president said, we're going to take things slow. At the same time, El Salvador's up against it. And so the Chinese are sort of waiting there saying, hey, if this cryptocurrency failure, you know, continues and your the value of your, A, your currency, but also your holdings diminishes so so drastically, we're here for you. Um, it's such an interesting, interesting time in, in currencies, you know, if you, if you want to call, uh, I guess, cryptocurrencies currencies, right? <laughs> Yeah, which leads me to mine, which is why, you know, cryptocurrencies are doing so poorly in the market right now, which is just this wild FTX story, which I know we've been covering over the last couple of days at Marketplace. But for those who maybe haven't been following, there are a couple of big places where you could sort of buy and and sell cryptocurrency. And think of like, you know, an online trading platform like your Fidelity of your or your E-Trade, but like for crypto, right? And one of them was FTX and another one was Binance. And so the other day, FTX was having a liquidity crisis where a bunch of people were pulling their money out and they couldn't quite cover it. So they went to their competitor to try to uh, get them to buy them out and basically save them. However, Binance had a look at their books and was like, absolutely not. Because as it turns out, and we're getting more and more details about this, it looks like FTX was using consumers' money that was supposed to be just, just sort of be sitting there to leverage other deals that they were not supposed to. It gets really complicated. Reuters has a great story about this. We have some of our own marketplace coverage. It's all over the place. But what's really interesting here is we're seeing something very similar to what happened with you know the meme stocks and all these other things where – People in the know uh, 
were doing some what seemed to be relatively shady things and retail investors, people, you know, who were trying to figure out a way to make money in the market are getting hosed. And often I feel like cryptocurrencies in particular really appeal to people who've felt blocked out of the traditional financial system. And a lot of folks get really hopeful about here's something new and a place where I have a chance to actually get in on something. Whereas, you know, a lot of the sort of big cap, you know, stocks that we talk about in the market, they're inaccessible to a lot of people, but this felt accessible to so many people. And now a lot of those folks are getting screwed. And it's, uh, it's Mm. really unfortunate. And it's definitely increasing um, the likelihood that we're going to have more regulation in the sector more quickly mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. this it's 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 bad and it's messy and it's there's probably going to be a lot more coming out about it and uh, I feel badly for for the people who are getting burned cuz I don't think it's, the the pain is over here it's it's super interesting I literally went to a debate last night at the University of Texas at, actually at the Central Public Library here in Austin about cryptocurrency and whether or not policymakers should be um, sort of actively encouraging cryptocurrency and, and mining here in Texas. And yeah, you're right. The discussion ends up being, is there, um, is, is there access for, for folks who, who did feel like they weren't being sort of uh, able uh, to get in the, in the market? And so it felt like opportunity. At the same time, there are, there are all sorts of discussions about you know, value and um, sort of the <laughs> the value of fiat currency, you kind of get into a wormhole. Um, but it's super, super interesting. I think you're exactly right. I think what one of the conclusions was, we don't have this market regulated and we're trying to figure it out and we're scrambling right now to figure out how to regulate it. And it feels like this is just sort of one more example of exactly that, right? Right. And I'm not going to say that all crypto is bad and all crypto is, you know, a scam. That's not the argument. And I was watching uh, the head of Binance on cable news today trying to assure everyone that they are not the same, that they are regulated, that they do have, you know, their books in order and that they, you know, do back up, you know, their their holdings and they're not doing what FTX was doing. And I think it's going to be even harder for you know those in the crypto industry who are trying to you know professionalize the industry to move forward and and have the confidence of consumers and investors and regulators after something like this absolutely um right so my other story is um much more depressing, which is about Brittany Griner, who is the WNBA star who's been held in Russia for months on um, charges that she had, you know, some, I guess it was weed in a vape pen or something like that, or, or cannabis oil, I'm not sure exactly what. But it seems very clear that she's being held for political purposes. And now she's been transferred to a penal colony. And the Russians seem pretty opposed to a prisoner swap, and the situation is is just getting worse and worse. And I just think it's important to remember that she's still there. The Biden administration says they are doing their best to bring her home, uh, that they are hopeful that now that the election is over, that maybe Russia is going to be more amenable to a prisoner swap. 
But yeah, this is that. what happens when um, individual Americans get caught up in global geopolitics. And uh, yeah, there's not a lot of good options here for for the U.S. or for Griner. So anyway, just no, you're exactly right. And, and, her and, and, and the president did come out and say. Um, you know, they're, they're in communications, uh, they're trying to figure this out, but at the same time, Russia is, is not governed by sort of traditional rule of law like we, we, we think about it here. And so even the administration, they can say that they're trying to do what they can. Uh, what they can do seems like it's extremely limited, and I think you're exactly right. We just need to, we need to all be aware that she's still there and that things are not getting any better, and, and it's very, very real. You're right. Yeah. All right. We certainly need some smiles. Now let's make a turn. <laughs> Big turn. I'll go first. Mine is, Good. since I'm, I'm doing very online techie things today, my make me smile is, is sort of a make me cry, but I can't help but laugh at just the cluster that is Twitter right now and just how things are going off the rails in the most spectacular of fashions. Um, the trust and safety officer, I guess, just quit today. And the so many of the top people at Twitter are leaving. And the Twitter staff all over the world are trying to figure out what's going on. Some people are being told that they're going to lose their jobs unless they stop remote work immediately. That side of it is really bad, but now we have this disastrous rollout of the new blue checkmark strategy, which we talked about yesterday because someone asked a question on what do you want to know Wednesday and said, hey, wouldn't it be bad if anybody can, you know, buy a blue checkmark and then you can, you know, grab somebody else's name but still look like you're verified? And it's like, yeah, that could happen. And oh my gosh, did it ever it's been happening so much, and first we saw – not first. It, it's been happening to so many companies. We had a account impersonating Nintendo tweeting out a photo of Mario giving the middle finger, but the one that really got me today was an account called uh, – let's see <laughs> – Eli Lilly and Company, Right. It's called Eli Lilly and Co. is the Twitter handle. It has a blue check mark. It says Eli Lilly and Company. It has the Eli Lilly brand on it. And it says, we are excited to announce insulin is free now. Eli Lilly being one of the companies that sells insulin in this country. It's extremely expensive. It can be hundreds of dollars per vial. It's an ongoing controversy because this is something a medicine people need to live, right? So Twitter account, Eli Lilly and company tweets out, we are excited to announce insulin is free now. Then a Twitter account called Lilypad, which actually supposedly is the real Eli Lilly and company. Right, who knows anymore, right? Um, <laughs> who knows anymore with the exact same logo says, we apologize to those who have been served a misleading message from a fake Lily account. Our official account is at Lilypad. So now Eli Lilly and company is getting dragged on social media because, you know, it highlights the fact of how expensive insulin is and that this is a company that has extremely high – it's a very profitable company and, and mm-hmm. charging a lot for insulin, which is doesn't exactly make them beloved in the American economy. So this is what is happening to 
companies on social media platforms, and I do not think this bodes well for Twitter's future as a home for advertising dollars, which is Hmm. not funny, but you just kind of have to smile and shake your head because it was exactly what was predicted, and yet here we are. Exactly. It's it, it's funny. I have my my make me smile is is kind of similar to yours in the sense that it I guess it made me smile, but it also made me shake my head because the headline that I read in the Texas Tribune today was for the first time Texas voters send Muslims and openly gay black men to the legislature. So part of me is like, uh, you know, you're smiling and you're like, oh man, this you know this is great and 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 and. You know, but at the same time, it's like you're shaking your head. Wait, uh, just now? Um, it, it, it's so 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 interesting. And I know, I guess I was I'm sort of sort of happy that um, that change is being made. That that uh, sort of the idea of the folks who are representing you should represent you and reflect you, the the, the sort of folks who live in Texas. And I think for the longest time, uh, they just haven't. And it's interesting that it's that it's sort of. You know, even me as a Texan, I have that that sort of remarkable reaction to to something that that, that again doesn't. I don't know. It just just doesn't feel like it should be that remarkable. If that makes sense. Okay, I think we both failed in the make me smile department today. So I am instead <laughs> going to pull from a tweet that someone tagged Marketplace uh, on on <laughs> Twitter. Uh, nice. A tweet linked to a TikTok. <laughs> And someone tagged us on Twitter, the ecosystem of social media, which is all about the second grade teacher who was trying to teach her students about money management by paying them to do homework and classroom chores and then charging them rent on their desk space. And basically what ended up happening is they are all paying their rent on time, you know, no matter what. But they have developed this entire economy of like buying and trading goods and services and selling things to each other and writing up these little receipts of who owes who money and how much they owe and whether it's late and are they charging interest and all these things. And this teacher, this poor teacher is like, I think I need an accountant. And she's got this detailed spreadsheet with all of the students' activities. And so I I sent it to Bridget and I was like, you got to do this for a million bazillion. But it was very interesting. Absolutely. I'm sure we can link it on the show notes. <laughs> and that is for sure a make me smile. It was very funny. <laughs> All right. You helped save us here, Kimberly. <laughs> I saved us here. All right. That is it for us today. I am going to be out tomorrow, but Andy and Kai will be here for Economics on Tap. Our YouTube live stream starts at 6.30 p.m. Eastern, 3.30 p.m. Pacific. We are going to have more news. Play a round of half full, half empty, plus a little poll action for those who join on the YouTube live stream. And until then, if you got a question or comment, call 508-UB-SMART, leave us a voicemail, or you can email makemesmart at marketplace.org. Make Me Smart is produced by Marissa Cabrera and Courtney Bergseeker. Today's episode was engineered by Charlton Thorpe. Ellen Rolfus writes our newsletter. Bridget Bodner is senior producing Million Bazillion right now. And Donna Tam is the director of On Demand. <laughs>